this is Kirk Kelly. And on this episode of Nurturing Wellbeing, I have a special guest with us. She works with Northwest Florida Health Network and is Callan Stringer. She works in the area that is a critical component to what we do in child welfare, and that is pulling in and getting new foster families and recruiting foster families. I think you're going to really enjoy this episode. One of the things I know when we move from being in the lower quartile to one of the best, if not the best in the nation, was the recruitment of great foster families. And and you are an example of that. And I want you to tell us, first of all, welcome, but I want you to tell us a little bit about your story, what got you to moving into saying, maybe I want to try helping out becoming a foster family. Sure. So my husband and I married in 2010. And before we got married, we had kind of talked about maybe not having kids right away, but helping kids that we knew needed a family. And so in 2013, we became licensed foster parents. We had actually gone to a recruitment meeting with the intention to adopt, um, but we had no real agenda. We were just there to help. And they said, well, what we really need are great foster parents. So we said, okay, great, sign us up. (laughs) We were very naive back then. And so we fostered a four-year-old little boy who was just the joy of our lives. He was reunified about a year and a half later. And so we started looking at, okay, what's the next step? Do we want to continue fostering? Like, what does that look like? We ended up adopting a sibling group of five out of Jacksonville. And we had one biological son that was on the way when we adopted them. So we went from zero to six kids in a six-month time frame, which uh, I I don't really recommend, to be honest. (laughs) But I wouldn't change any of it. Uh, So my husband joked with me, hey, if you want to keep helping, you've got to find a way to do it that's not giving more people our last name because we were out of space at that point. (laughs) Um, So I joined the team at Northwest Florida Health Network in 2018. I left a job at FSU that I loved, but I came on board to do exactly what you said, to recruit and retain great foster parents so that we could grow the program and make sure. My goal is always that we have enough homes for any kid that comes into care in our area. And the goal is to always keep them in their neighborhood, keep them close to their family, in their school if possible. Um, And we can't do that unless we have a large number of quality foster homes. For those that are watching by video, I can I hope you can see the expression on her face. And those that are on the uh, on our podcast, you just need to see how she lights up when she's talking about being able to take these children in and love on them and open their family and their home up to them. There's a real special gift toward that. But it sounds like to me that uh, you didn't know that uh, even what you were going to be in for when you first started. And so you just said, let's 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 take the leap. Let's let's start. Yeah. How do you encourage others to do some of that? Well, I think we have to be really realistic with families about what they're signing up to do. Um, I know when my my husband and I became foster parents, there was this attitude of, if you just love them, everything will work out. And that's not always the case. Um, that doesn't mean that that doesn't mean that you have to have a high level of education or training to become a foster parent. A lot of people make great foster parents from across all socioeconomic realms. However, we can provide that training to help parents go from maybe a little bit naive like my husband and I were to very well-trained trauma-informed caregivers who can not only help children in their home feel loved, but can also develop resilience 
and learn to heal from the trauma that they've experienced so that they're not just stationary in our homes, right? We're, we're not just a place where we pause. Okay, you experienced this abuse and neglect. Now it has stopped, right? We're, we're teaching them to heal. How do you deal with the trauma that you've experienced? Like, how do we counsel you? How do we give you the tools so that wherever you go, whether you're adopted, whether you are reunified with your family, whether you go to a family member out of state, we want you to have the tools to be able to continue that healing wherever you go. So let's camp around that. So here comes children into your home. You've said, okay, I'm going to go get licensed. We'll probably talk about licensing in a second mm -hmm. here. I'm going to get licensed. I'm going to get all of the process that needs to be done. Here, here's some children. Right. <laughs> what kind of support mechanism did you find? And now what are you also doing to help others as they begin this journey? Right. So a lot of what our team developed was things that we felt were lacking when we were foster parents. And so some of our big commitments were we want to attend court with our foster families. Court go. was very stressful for me as a foster parent. I didn't understand what was going on. I didn't have a legal background at all. I would usually leave court feeling very stressed. So our foster family support specialists are there with our families attending court. If they have questions, they have a safe person to ask afterwards. Um, if they feel like they need to say something in court, that person can kind of guide them to do it in the right way. Um, uh, we want our families to have continual behavior management training. So kids who come into our homes have to be parented very differently than, you know, a traditional parenting model. It just doesn't always work whenever we use those traditional methods. And so we want to use a trauma-informed lens in all of our parenting. Nobody comes wired to do that. You have to learn how to do that. And so that doesn't mean that you have to know all the things when you first take in your first kid. But that does mean you have to be given opportunities to build on those skills. Parenting is a skill. I know we joke that there's no rule book, right? We're given, we have kids and somehow they just let us leave the hospital with them and they're like, good luck, you know. But, but that's not exactly the case. Just like any other skill, you can develop your skill of parenting as you go. And so many of our foster families, if you ask them, do you parent the same way you did five years ago? They'll laugh and say, absolutely not, right? They've changed and they've grown and they've developed. So our team can help our families do that by providing you know, all sorts of training opportunities, after hours, conferences that they can go to, different support groups. We have community groups that meet monthly where we discuss different behavior strategies. Uh, so there's lots of things we can do to help our foster parents feel better equipped to have kids in their homes and parent them well. And that in turn leads our foster parents to feel like, well, maybe I could take a kid who's a little bit older. Maybe I could take siblings. Maybe I could take a large sibling group. But our, our foster families typically grow into those families. When I talk to people about fostering, I usually get something like this. Oh, that's so nice. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes it is. And, uh, and I don't want to say that uh, it's, it's not very rewarding. In fact, it, it may be the ultimately rewarding. Mm -hmm. But the nice part can be challenging. Right. And, and so I, you know, I, uh, I read uh, The Connected Child. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, just somebody said, you need to read the book. And I sat down and read the book. And um, I was very impressed with the idea that there has to be this support mechanism that's mm -hmm. there. I think I've watched much of our foster families across the, the state, uh, different uh, chapters and so forth mm -hmm. that are part of uh, the, the association there. 
And I've watched them become very close, a very tight-knit group of folks with, as you said, a, div a diverse background mm -hmm. and so forth. The area that you serve in your area is an 18-county area, mm -hmm. uh, which is very rural. This may be somewhat – now, Tallahassee is not necessarily rural, but mm -hmm. but uh, the, the, all the area around it is very rural. Um what is it like to try to find and recruit foster families in that large, diverse area? That's a great question. And that was something that was very new to me. I'm from Tallahassee. I've lived here my whole life. I know how to connect with people from Tallahassee. I know where all the churches are. I know where all the clubs are. But when you start asking me about, hey, who can we contact in Washington County? I usually get that deer in headlights look, right? Um, so connecting with our existing families has been very helpful Honestly, as, as bad as the pandemic was, it really opened up a lot of ways to virtually connect with families. And because we started offering classes and trainings online, our rural families were better able to attend classes and trainings that traditionally it's been harder for them to get to because they would have to drive to Mariana or drive to Panama City or drive to Tallahassee. And so in an odd way, the pandemic really helped us bridge some of those gaps that we were seeing because anyone could log on to their Zoom account. If you were in Franklin County, no problem. Just log on at 8 p.m. The only thing we had to worry about was time zone differences. That, that was, you know, we had to make sure we knew you're central, you're eastern. But, um, but yeah, we have community groups that meet monthly and we do it by area. So we have a Franklin County community group. We have a Jefferson County community group. And so foster parents from those counties are able to meet each other and connect. And we have a topic that we discuss each month, things from grief to uh, dealing with tantrums, you know, all sorts of things that come up as a foster parent. We have a teen group um, just for our families that have teens to connect and kind of talk and vent if they need to, right? Discuss strategies. So there's a lot of connection that is needed. You know, even though there are 400,000 foster children in the U.S., foster parents usually feel very alone. And making sure that we have ways for them to connect across a variety of platforms is really important. Those in-person trainings are important too, but having the online presence has really helped us connect with our rural communities. And a support mechanism around there. I've heard like if you have civic groups or churches particularly mm -hmm. that are very much supportive. I've had some folks in even my own church say they want to foster. And what I said is we ought to get a support group around you that may not want to foster, but they come and help you. And I found that out. I'm going to tell you a story. I just remembered that I had been in Washington, D.C. This was about five years ago. Mm -hmm. And I was up on the Hill and I was working some uh, legislators going in and seeing office. And I happened to go into a legislator, Congresswoman from this area. And uh, when I was in there, I had, I think I had a three o'clock appointment. And uh, I got in there with about five minutes to go and was supposed to go in and sit down and talk about some of the federal legislation, some of the funding issues, some of the good things that Florida had done with our waiver and a variety mm -hmm. of things, and just bring a, an education to that. And I did have that meeting, but before my meeting at 3 o'clock, a family came in, and I think they're from Gulf County, Gulf or Franklin, one of those counties, and they had two kids and a little baby, and one of the kids was probably about six or seven years old, and he was climbing all over everything. Mm -hmm. 
And it, and you could tell it was it was kind of difficult for them because they're in this congressional late. Now I'm in my suit, you know, with my power tie, and I'm going to go in and we're going to talk <laughs> child welfare stuff. And they're in there just coming up here on the hill, and they're and they had an appointment at uh, like I think three twenty. Mm-hmm. So I, we had like a twenty minute appointment, and they were not going to make it till three twenty. I can just tell you right now. And so when the congresswoman came out, she said, uh, Mr. Kelly, you're next. I said, no, I want you to go ahead and send them in. Because I had just asked them, and they said, we do fostering. And I think it was, I think it was Gulf County. Uh, we do fostering in there. And I said, well, then you deserve first place. And after it was over, I sat down with the congresswoman. She goes, hey, that was cool that you did that. I said, well, that's the business we're in. I mean, I love it. And B, she says, you know, uh, it just hit me how how much they have to give into these lives. You know, we in in the legislature, you you and I talked about. We have legislators on here a lot, and these are great folks, and they're trying to do the right thing. But I wish I could get you to talk with them, just get the one on one like I get to do a lot with our folks, uh, because uh, it's there when people see the real work that you're doing. Mm-hmm. It begins to change some of their ideas of policy. We get too academic about policy sometimes. We get too bureaucratic about it. You know, we're looking at statistics and stuff. We're not a statistic. We're talking about a child's life. Right. We're and they're with them 24-7. They don't clock out at the end of the day. There you go. <laughs> they're doing it for $17 a day most of the time that, you know, to cover just very basic expenses, but they're poor. All of that, $17 a day. $17 a day. (laughs) Yes. I I tell our legislators, you want to look at a bargain and what we do. And when we're out recruiting and bringing these folks in, it's, they don't, I haven't found a person yet that says I'm doing it for the money. They're losing money. I mean, Oh, absolutely. But just the daycare costs alone are far more than $17 a day. On the other hand, they've done the right thing to say, I'm, I'm going to be part of the solution. Let's talk about solutions then sure. for our teenagers, because if we've had issues in the past, it's in that area, mm-hmm. um, partly because maybe the teenagers have come in multiple times in through and back this into the system, back right. and out and, and in and out. And uh, every single time that creates even more hardship, more trauma. And so there may be a little bit more difficult. Tell us how you... You're, in fact, I know in this area, you're doing a pretty good job in this. I, I had a wonderful conversation with your CEO the other day, Mike Watkins, mm-hmm. and uh, just doing some great work in this area up here. Mm-hmm. Uh, that has a real return on investment in children's lives, but also for the taxpayers. Tell us a little bit about um, how you how you develop that, recruit that, and retain those type of folks. I'm so glad you asked this because this is one of my favorite things to talk about. The single best way you recruit families for teenagers is to retain your existing families and support them well. There are very few people who come to, we call them pre-service classes, the training classes that we offer for people who want to become foster parents. Very rarely does someone come in and say, I really want to foster teens. It happens, but very rarely. What typically happens is when we support a family well, over the years, they expand the age range and the number of children that they're willing to foster. A foster parent who maybe fostered kids only zero to five for a long time will say, you know what? I, I think I want to try an older kid this time. I Or we call them and we say, hey, you know, 
we, we know this isn't in your age range, but this kid seems like you would be a really good fit for them. Let me tell you about them. And we know information. We know what sports they like. We know where they go to school. We can tell them about their interests and we can help make that connection and create a place for them to meet the child. And it's not just this abrupt, here's a kid, right? Um, so we help facilitate that transition. And then our families who are a little bit more confident two or three years in say, yes, like I'll take that child. Just an example of this, a couple weeks ago, we had a family who has only ever taken kids that are like zero to six for years. They've been fostering for years. And we had a 15-year-old girl that we really needed a home for. And her support specialist, she knew this kid really well. And so she called that family and kind of pitched the idea. And at first the family was like, whoa, that's completely out of our comfort zone. And she said, you can do this. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you about this kid. And they met and she's been with them for about a month and is doing so well. And it was the best match ever. Five years ago, that family would not have considered taking a 15 year old, but today they will. If we hadn't supported that family well over the years and retained them as foster parents, we would have never had that opportunity. So I think as, as a state, we need to recognize that recruitment is not just a billboard ad or a social media ad or going to an event and trying to recruit people. Recruitment is supporting your existing families and letting them become the people you're trying to recruit. Additionally, we, uh, you know, our agency, we spend most of our advertising money on social media ads because we found that's the most effective way to reach the most people and get people registered for classes. Um, and so about 26% of the families that we license say, I saw the ad on Facebook and that's how I found you guys. But more than 50% of the families we license come to us from other foster and adoptive parents. So if we are supporting those families well, if they're seeing their fostering experience as a positive, regardless of the outcome, whether the child's you know, parents' rights are terminated, whether they are reunified, whatever the outcome is, when we're supporting our families well, they are sending us the best people to in turn become the next foster parent. Wow, that's exciting to hear that. I know. Listen, we've had great recruitment efforts. The first lady, along with Eric Dellenbach, who is the faith initiative leader for the state of Florida, mm -hmm. um, and uh, the department worked with us on this. Uh, we had Tony Dungy. Mm -hmm. We had Chris Tomlin. We had a big event that we did across the state. And while we had some good results out of that, and we were certainly appreciate, we'll take the help anywhere we can get it. Um, I think you just stated stated it the best. It is when you have a system that shows people that it's okay to try this. We're going to be there for you. You're not going to fall. You're not going to fail. We're going to help you through this process. Um, and you then can do what's right to try to help love children. I think that's our best recruitment effort. We've known that. Uh, and you're just evidence to that right now. If, if I were saying, okay, I think... I might be interested in, in stepping out here. How would I, let, let's start with you and then maybe we can broaden it. How would I get a hold of someone? What would be the best way to be able to say, at least, let me at least start the conversation? Sure. I mean, if you're, if you're wanting to get licensed in North Florida, you just call my cell phone and I'll sign you up for one of our classes. Right now, they're all on Zoom through the end of the summer. We have two more coming up that are completely on Zoom. Starting in August, we're gonna go to a hybrid model where some of the sessions will be online and some will be in person at our Tallahassee and Harrison Avenue uh, that's, been, that's in Bay County, those offices. Uh, but 
I'm the point of contact for that. I think for most agencies, you can Google your county. If you just Google county and foster care, you'll find the agency uh, where you can find a contact. Different agencies do it in different ways. Um, if you if you Google foster care in Tallahassee, you should find my number. Uh, but there's also the DCF foster line that you can call and talk to somebody from DCF and they'll give you the contact for your county. So if you're not sure which agency uh, is your agency that you would go through, you can call them and they'll, they'll connect you with somebody and make sure that they follow up. And so there's a lot of ways that you can find the information, but the most important thing is to get into what we call a pre-service class. So if you're talking to somebody, you can say, how do I sign up for a pre-service class? It's good for up to five years across the state. That's in Florida statute. So if you take the class and you decide, well, I can't do this right now, that's okay. As long as you do it within five years, you would not have to retake the class. So usually when I'm talking to people, I say, hey, if you have any interest at all, join our class because you can learn everything that you need to know and then you're equipped to make that decision. I never consider it you know, a fail if a, if a family takes the class and says, you know, we've decided this isn't for us. That's okay. That's why we have these classes. We want, we want families to know exactly what they're signing up for whenever they become foster parents. But a lot of those families who maybe decide it isn't for them, they become guardian ad litem volunteers. They volunteer with Foster Florida. They do lots of other things that still help uh, raise awareness in the community and support our existing foster families. Because as a foster parent, I would not have made it without my guardian ad litem volunteer. He kept us sane. He was just wonderful. Um, and so there's lots of ways that it's you can support families, even if you're not fostering yourself. You know, and, and I'll just, as we end with this, I'll just tell you that the fostering element of this is sort of the, it, it, it's always sort of been this sort of intermediate step between just taking the child and, and then trying to uh, maybe move them back, like I said, back to the families. Obviously, that would be our first goal if we could get them back to their families. Mm -hmm. That's where they belong. But if that's not the case and the, and the courts decide that they're going to terminate that parental right, which is tough, well, then we want to get permanency. What we found is you lose a lot of our foster families right. because they end up adopting <laughs> yeah. them like you. you have, right. you know, but even so, being able to be that intermediate step into some other areas. You know, one of our hopes and well-being is, is that we have less kids coming into foster care. So even if someone says, I may not want to foster but here's what I'll do. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll gird up. I'll come and support those that do. Mm -hmm. I'll work with uh, organizations like we have here in this area that are going to go in and even go into prevention mode, trying to help kids even come before they ever come into the system of exactly. care. We would love to see that. And that's an area that I think we're going to begin to focus a lot on. But when they do come into care, I want our folks to know just what kind of people we have I'm always a little disappointed when I see the salacious of one one name or one person or one or two situations over 10 years where that's sort of representative of the foster families because it is not. And we have to and I'm out there champion saying that's not that's not what this is all about. You are awesome. You, you have meant a lot to us for coming today. Any closing words? No, just we always need more foster parents. Uh, we love to license new families. We'll support you. We've got 24-7 support, and most of us have lived experience doing it. So, you know, we're going to be there. We're going to make sure you are equipped and you know uh, how to help the kids in your home best. Well, you have lit up the studio here today. I, <laughs> I just take your energy and your excitement, your passion, and your love for these children. It means a lot. I, that has come across 
And I look forward to working with you in the future. Yeah, we talked a year and a half ago about some, I was trying to put some stuff together in, on fostering and you, uh, you were presented then as an expert in this. And here you are as a person that's just giving of your life. It means a lot to us. Thank you for coming. And we look forward to uh, talking with you in the future. All right, thank you. God bless. Well, I told you we were going to enjoy that conversation. Anytime that we can get folks here that are going to help us bring on new foster families to engage the very issues we're working on is important to us. Listen, that means you can do it as well. We're glad to have you. If you want to hear more information about that, reach out at Florida Coalition for Children, and we'll be more than happy to tell you how you can get involved in nurturing well-being. Listen and subscribe to Nurturing Well-Being with Kurt Kelly for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you prefer to get your podcasts.